Hi everyone, this is Sean Michael Rutherford, and I am so excited to announce that I am restarting my podcast, Spirit and Me. I, a few years ago, had a wonderful podcast that I thoroughly enjoyed using and uh, getting out to the people where I spoke about topics on spirituality and how myself and others interacted with the spirit world. I spoke to healers, I spoke to mediums and psychics, and really got an idea of how spirit works with them. And I have found a new app that allows me to do this straight from my phone, and I can't wait to get this podcast back out to you. This first one is going to be quite short, as I really wanted to get a bit of a story out there about me and an introduction to my podcast. I am using the Anchor app on iTunes. And it allows me to upload these podcasts to iTunes, Google Play, and I believe Spotify. I started the podcast back when I lived in Lafayette at a community project called uh, AOC, which was Acadiana Open Channel. And they had a podcast podcast booth that you could rent for free if you were a member and record a podcast using professional equipment. And I really enjoyed that because it felt so professional and it was really fun to use. And then they offered classes on editing audio and video. I absolutely jumped the idea and became a member and used their recording booth to make my podcast. But today I'm sitting in my office with my phone and my headbuds earbuds, headphones, that was a weird collaboration there, talking to you about myself and the journey that I've made as a medium and as a psychic in my life working with spirit. Uh, So I thank you so much for tuning in. Here is Spirit in Me, episode 2.0. My name is Sean Michael Rutherford. I was a psychic medium uh, since I was a child. I grew up hearing voices in my house, I grew up seeing spirits in my house, and playing with a spirit uh, that I called Johnny Quick, because he was always in my house, like, we would play, and wherever, I I really found that fascinating, I didn't realize that these were necessarily spirits, I honestly thought that he was probably an imaginary friend, and... You know, that's what you hear a lot about when kids are seeing things as a children, as children, that these are imaginary friends or that they have created a, a wonderful little play partner or story character that they brought to life. It wasn't until I was about six years old when I saw a woman walk through my wall, stop at the foot of my bed while, uh, in the middle of the night. I had woken up in the middle of the night. And I I see this woman walk through my wall, which the wall was an outer wall. So like on the other side of the wall was yard. And she walks through the wall, stops at the foot of my bed, turns, nods at me, and walks through the parallel wall. And that wall led into a bathroom. And I remember feeling very calm and at peace with this woman. 
I remember thinking that it was my grandmother who had died shortly before, and because she was dressed as a nurse, and I don't mean just a nurse like we would see today in scrubs, I mean a nurse back in like antebellum days. She looked like she had an old antebellum dress that had that long, that wide uh, skirt. Then she had a white uh, apron over that with a red cross on it, and she had a bonnet kind of hat thing that you would have seen nurses wear with a red cross on it as well. And the spirit herself was glowing blue. And I remember finding that so interesting and so odd that she looked like that. And I just ended up going back to bed and didn't think anything of it. And then the next day I told my mom that my grandmother must have visited. And of course my parents placated me. They said, oh yeah, that's really nice. That must've been her. And I later found out that my grandmother wasn't a nurse. And so I was like, well, that must have, you know, I guess it must have been a spirit in the house. My mom had a lot of weird interactions with the spirits in her house. And it was just such a, a lively, active house. Um, you'd hear your name called, uh, things would happen. And it definitely had times where we were scared, but a lot of times it was just very mysterious. We moved out of that house when I was 13, and from then on, I, of course, at that time was very aware of what was going on in the sense of that, you know, the paranormal world and, and whatnot, and became very interested in being a spirit hunter, ghost hunter, and got a Polaroid camera and would look for evidence everywhere that I could, and over the next few years had a lot of interesting experiences, and at 16, 15, 16, I met these beautiful people who owned a uh, spiritual shop in Lafayette called the Gypsy Market. And they told me about these experiences that I was having, about how I knew things about people, that I felt very deeply about people. And they said that I was probably a psychic and that I should learn to read tarot cards in order to harness and control those feelings and emotions and um, insights that I was getting about other people. And I, I did. I started studying tarot, started doing card readings at 16 for anyone that I could get to sit down for five minutes and would show interest. I quickly found out that I was really good at it. I had a lot of people who were freaked out by how accurate the information was. And I started doing it professionally at 19, where I would charge like $10 for a short tower reading. I loved it. It was so much fun helping people find direction in their lives. Uh, it was at this time that I had my first conscious interaction with someone who had died. I was reading for a co-worker's friend, and her father had recently passed uh, months prior, and I see him come up to me in my head, and he starts talking to me about her, telling me uh, things that he would have told her, ways that he would have spoken to her, um, things that he enjoyed doing, validations of what we call it now, and he gave me a phrase that I don't specifically remember anymore, but he gave me this phrase that was something like, Hey there, pumpkin, or um, 
I'll see you later, pumpkin. It was something about when he would leave for work or he'd leave the house, he would always say this phrase to her. And she started crying severely. And she said that the day he died, he didn't get a chance to say that to her when he left the house. And that was something that was so upsetting to her that she never really got that goodbye. And so the fact that I heard him say that to me was so shocking and so amazing. I was stunned. So I got up and I was like, okay, reading's over. I was in shock. I left and I didn't read for a little while because I was just like, what happened? What happened here? I started reading again and it was just, I called it a fluke. I just said it was an accident. I don't know how it happened. And I just went about my business. At around 21, I had joined a, uh, a spiritual investigation group, and they were wonderful. I really enjoyed working with them, and I went with them to an investigation of this house. It was the first investigation with me on the team, and they wanted to, quote-unquote, test my spiritual abilities which is perfectly fine with me because I love, I, I love uh, a challenge. So we get to the homeowner's house and they're like, okay, so you're going to do a reading for her and the house. I said, okay, that's fine. So I walk through the house and I am just telling her what I feel from every room, who I feel lives there and lives in that room. And I said, you know, this is for a young man. We move on to the next room. And we finally get to this other bedroom and I stop at the door and I was like, I feel like I have to pay my respects before we move into this bedroom. And she says, why? I said, I'm not sure. I just, I want to pay my respects. And she says, okay, that's fine. So I tell, you know, I say a little prayer and then we enter the room. Uh, the, the room is clean and everything's put together. And I, I see a young man laying on the bed with his ankles crossed and his arm hanging off the bed and him laying on his back and like he would have just fallen asleep in that position. And I was having a hard time at the time describing this position for some reason. I don't remember why. Uh, a lot of times when I would get spirit communication at that time or psychic information at that time, I would have a hard time communicating it. My brain hadn't really learned the skills yet to easily rapid fire information that I was getting intuitively. So sometimes my language skills would kind of shut down. And so I told us, I see this young man laying in this bed in this very specific position. May I lay on the bed and show you? She said, sure. So I got on the bed, laid there, showed her, and she said, okay. And so I got up and we went into the kitchen where I started to do her reading. And I lay out the cards and I'm just reading what I have. And I said, you know, I see this young man. He's just a ball of energy. He's a ball of light. He's just flying around the room. Of course, none of that is making me think of someone who has passed away. I really just was not even in that frame of mind. And so I said, um, I feel like it's your son. And she's like, which son? I have three. And I said, um, 
And I, so I closed my eyes, focused in on the information like I do. And I saw a pair of brilliant blue eyes. And I said, uh, it's the one with blue eyes. And she says, I only have one with blue eyes, and that's my middle son. And I said, him. It would be him. And she's like, okay. And I am struggling and struggling. And I, I looked at her and I said, I, I feel like it's very difficult to give this information. Um, why do I feel like you're blocking me on purpose? And she says, because they told me you were a psychic and that you were going to do your best to read about my family and our house and that I shouldn't give you information. And I said, that doesn't mean that you should block me. Like, open up. Let me do the reading. She's like, okay. She opens up. She kind of lets that guard down. And I tap in again. And immediately, I feel like my chest is being ripped in half. I am so overwhelmed with pain and loss and grief and sadness that I grab my chest and just start crying and crying and crying to the point where I had to run out because I was having such a bad anxiety attack. I started hyperventilating and I couldn't breathe or I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't breathe. And I started screaming. I feel like I lost my child. I feel like I lost my child. I feel like I lost my child. I feel like I lost my son. I feel like I lost my son. Now this is coming from someone who is a very strong empath. And so I am just screaming this over and over and over again. And the case manager, uh, Shelly, who's a great friend of mine, she came over and she's like, Sean, Sean, it's okay. Here's some water. Just breathe. Um, we need to talk to you. We need to tell you something about, you know, what's going on. So I calm down. I finally get my bearings. I realized that I was just having an energy overload. We go back in the house and I'm sitting there drinking some water. And the homeowner tells me six months after they moved into the house, her middle son with blue eyes died and he was found in his bedroom the way that I had seen him laying there and that he was passed and that the person that I was describing as being the ball of light around the room was her son and that they, she had had some experiences of seeing lights in the living room um, go on and off and whatnot, which is why we were there to investigate the house in the first place. And so she says the fact that you say that you see him as like this ball of light around the room makes sense. And some other things that I had said, she was able to validate for him. And I was 21 having a on purpose, voluntary spirit communication. And I was in shock. I put my tarot cards up. I stood up and I was like, oh, I'm ready to leave. And everyone laughed, and I, I let myself calm down, and we did the investigation, uh, and it was beautiful, and it was the first time that I really realized that I could do this on purpose. After that, I started really taking the work of a psychic medium very seriously, and it led to doing readings and tarot readings and psychic readings for a long time. Um, it wasn't until about a year before my mom died, she'd been diagnosed with cancer for a year, I started actively learning mediumship on purpose 
to be able to control it like I needed to in order to have a relationship with my mother once she had crossed over. And through mediumship, I really helped heal with her loss. And I actively started bringing that mediumship to people in in my community, in the world, because I couldn't hold on to this gift and hold it hostage that had helped me heal so much. And that's had, that has been about eight years since that happened. Uh, I am now 34 years old. Uh, I lost my mother at 27, and I had been studying mediumship for a year prior, and I've been working as an evidential psychic medium uh, for about 16 years, uh, an evidential medium for eight, nine years, and that's my story. It is a very interesting story about what I've been through, what has led me to reopening this podcast, and just a little bit of a heads up about who I am and what I do. I hope you find this interesting. I look forward to interviewing other psychic mediums, healers, practitioners of all directions and faiths and belief systems, because I fully believe in the topic that gets the name of this podcast, which is Spirit and Me, the relationship between the person and spirit. How does spirit interact with you? And I hope to help you discover that as well in this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you enjoy this podcast and the ones to come. I can't offer how often I will be having these posted right now, but I'm hoping to post one a week. So thank you so much for listening again. And you're going to hear this quite often as this is my sign off to everything. Thank you for listening to this episode of Spirit in Me 2.0. This is Sean Michael Rutherford saying, in love and light.